Hello and welcome to episode three of Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio and the old guy of the trio. Our Gen X member of the posse is Matt Burns, a key staffer at the Worldwide Leader in Sports, ESPN. And our youngster is Jared Fattel of Fat Stack Sports and WJSZ Radio. A little later in the program tonight, we'll also check in with a member of the greatest generation, Jack Straff, and hear his takes on the sports world. But first, we're going to jump right into the big stuff. You know, mostly we're a Michigan-oriented uh, podcast, but you can't start this show this week without talking about the college football national championship where Jared lost his allowance money. Yeah. What do you think, Jared? Uh, it, it was depressing. I like I, I mean, I'd made some brilliant plays. Uh, put Like I mentioned last week, put Bama and Georgia in a parlay. And it was just the worst experience because I was – like I, my heart wasn't in Alabama. Right. Like, I couldn't I, – like I was rooting for them just because I had money on them. But it, like, that was where I went wrong, I think. I, it's no fun rooting for a team that you just really don't like. That you don't want to win. And then they just flat out came out, and you just knew right from the gates that they're not going to cover this. <laughs> I actually went to bed. I, I went to bed uh, when it was 20-7, to 7, woke oh up, and then I had another double heartbreak where I, I woke up, checked my phone. It says Alabama wins, so I thought, oh, is there somehow, did they cover? And then I see, oh, they missed it by one point. So... <laughs> Not a great night. Say, what, what did the line end up being? I it, didn't see the final four, line. Was it? Yeah, it was at it was at four. And and where I went, this is where I was just like, oh, uh, Lavar Ball. I think this is where Lavar Ball is kind of creeping into my conscience. Uh-oh. It was like I considered buying a point because I was like, you know, worst case scenario, they'll win by three. Like basically the same exact scenario we saw. Right. And I, but it lowers your odds a little bit. Like it lowers how much money you'll make. So I, I yep. decided not to, and that was a big time mistake. Well, apparently the way it ended up, 26-23 in overtime, I mean, a classic game. We'll talk a little bit about the game and the refereeing, but I want to get Matt's perspective sitting there at ESPN. You actually were working that night with Feinbaum, and you, you were part of the whole ESPN production that night, right? Yeah, well, well I was part of uh, the, the whole Megacast thing. I was doing uh, the Feinbaum film room, and um, we were actually doing the, the coaches the coaches part of the mega cast was down here in Charlotte too. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Sumlin and Pat Fitzgerald, uh, Mike Gundy, a few other coaches were down here. So I got to kind of interact with them a little bit, but I was mostly working on Feinbaum's show, cutting, cutting highlights, um, rolling, rolling back packages and, and putting together little, little player packages that they all wanted to see. And, and they, they would just call back to me and say, Hey, put, put together a Hertz package, put together an Alabama running back package, you know, stuff like that. Um, Stuff that they wanted to see, that they wanted to talk about and highlight. So, so it definitely was fun. I was going to watch the game anyway, so may as well get get paid to watch yeah. it. <laughs> no, I mean that's really that's really a cool thing, you know. And a lot of our our listeners, you know, it's nice to have an insider at ESPN. You can kind of give us the inner workings. I mean, the game's going on live, and you're in, you're in a production room, I assume, and then you're pulling video as it's going on. Is that how it works? Yeah. So I, I was. For what I was doing, obviously there's people with a ton of different roles or, or duties for for that night. But for what I was doing, I was yeah, I was in a production room, and I was listening to directors and producers, and they would say, "Hey, Paul wants to see this," or "Hey, Booger wants to see this," or, or whatever the scenario was. And um, so then I'd have to quick edit something together, put put together a package, or roll something back, grab some graphics, uh, you know, whatever whatever the scenario was do it real quick, and then roll it out for them to show during the mega cast. No. So, so it's, it's a really cool experience because, you know, it's, it's fun. Everyone's on their toes, and it's the national championship. So, you know, there's a lot of eyes on it. So you mentioned that you're not really uh, – you weren't quite as involved in, like, the coach's room, but 
just for me, like, watching it on TV, you know, I feel like everyone kind of turns that on for, like, five or ten minutes. It just seems like one of the most, like, awkward rooms anyone could ever be a part of. Did, did you experience that at all or no? Yeah, and I, actually I was going to say the same thing. Is I mean, there was Kevin Sumlin, Mike Gundy, Fitzgerald. He, there's some good uh, characters, I guess, in there, but they were just watching the game. Like, it, it's kind of hard for them for a whole game to be interesting because they're just coaches. They're watching. They're, they're, they're just kind of analyzing the game. So it does. It, it is something that I think people would turn on for you know five, maybe ten minutes, and listen, and then and then switch back to one of the other parts of the megacast. But but it's cool. I don't know if you're like if you're like hearing the coach's point of view. It, it is kind of cool. Yeah, it would be neat. It'd be like they're sitting around the living room watching it on TV and listening to listening to him talk, right? Now was was Feinbaum? Was he kind of? You know, had a little bit more pep in his step. I mean, if you're fine bomb, this is probably like the t- the peak. Oh my God, uh, SEC the, championship. These last few weeks, I mean, he's he's been he's been living life to its fullest these last few weeks. He he's definitely been walking around a little more with his chest out. Just <laughs> you know, he he's always been that the SEC is the best conference in college football, and it's kind of hard to argue with the last ten or twelve years or whatever. But but yeah, once once Georgia and Bama were in it, you you could tell he was he was a little more excited. Let's, let's look at the game itself. I think really two key topics on the game. Obviously, Georgia played a heck of a first half, but the, the one of the big storylines was the switch by Saban to go with Tua at quarterback in the second half, and my God, that kid is phenomenal. Coming up that big under that kind of pressure. And then the other storyline I want to talk about a little bit is the Big Ten referees. Was that unreal or what? I mean, I, I had some buddies that um, I work with a bunch of guys who are Alabama or Georgia alums, and three or four of them the day after uh, when we got to work came up to me and said, yo, are the Big Ten refs that bad? It, so it was like they, they noticed right away, and I, that's what I told them. I said, yeah, all year we've been watching these Big Ten refs, and they're just, they're just not consistent. That's the biggest thing to me. They, they call a holding or, or a face mask or whatever it is sometimes, and then other times they miss blatant calls, and so it it's too bad because it, it, it had an effect on the game. Can you guys ex- – like, I was watching the game, and I never thought that – but then, like, you know, that's kind of like the Twitter world. Everyone was kind of going off on the refs. What were some of the calls they missed? Well, I, let, let me tell you, I did do a little research for this, and to recap my memory from the game, early in the second half, Georgia was called for offsides on a block punt. That's a good, Yeah, that is right. Okay. He did not look like he was offsides. He, yeah, you look call. at that replay, there's no way he was offsides. In fact, Bama should have been called for, for a false start on that mm-hmm. call. Nope. Then Georgia on the ensuing series, after they get the punt, there was that blatant face mask, okay, and yeah. that wasn't called. I mean, that's about as blatant a face mask you ever going to see, and not called in a national championship game. That was unbelievable. And then this one's kind of an iffy one, but late in the third quarter, uh, Bama's Mac Wilson shoved Jake Fromm's head down after he tackled him. Yeah, classic move. Classic move. Shoved his <laughs> head down. That could have been a that could have been a penalty yeah, for that sure. Was bad. And then this is the killer. With just under four minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, fourth down and four, right around the 10-yard line of Georgia, Bama had a non-called false start. It was blatant. The play ended up being a TD pass, tying the game, enabling it to go to overtime. Now, those calls alone turn the tide of the game. It's it's unbelievable. That's, I guess, what I was saying is refs aren't going to be perfect. So, I mean, that's everyone understands that. But when it's like game-changing calls that are missed, We've been seeing it all year with with the Big Ten refs. It's oh yeah, frustrating to see. Well, it was just uh, it was too bad that that was part of the storyline. But what do you, what what are your guys' thoughts about uh, the quarterback for Alabama, Tua, getting in the game? But he's is he younger than you, Jared? 
Or is he your He's age? He's the same age. Same age. That, yeah, that was, a, that was a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah, I think I saw something you posted on Twitter about <laughs> no. that. I mean, yeah, a wake-up call indeed. <laughs> You're out there playing for the Corona Cavaliers about a year ago. This kid's in the college yeah, football national championship. In. Like a pro looked off the safety to the right and then came right back with a perfect pass in now, overtime. Now let me ask you guys this. I saw this on Twitter. Uh, who would you rather have as your quarterback for the next, like, four years? Would you go with Jake Fromm or uh, Tua? Well, that's, you know, Fromm, I don't want to take anything away from him, but uh, what Tua did, and I think he's got all the tools. I'd probably go with Tua myself. These guys are going to have a crazy offseason of hype, both those guys. It's going to, that's going right. to be like the comp, it's going to be, they're going to compare those two. I personally, I go with Jake Fromm. He was just yeah. impressive the whole season. Yeah, he did the second half, though. I don't know if it was play calling or what, or the pressure of the game, trying to get a little too conservative, but he, he cooled off in that second half for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong to go with Fromm. The only thing I think that would make me lean towards Tua is he brings more of a, a, a running aspect to his game, and I think that's big in college football, especially the SEC with the speed of the defenses down there. So, that, I mean, you wouldn't be wrong to go with from, but that's what would make me lean more towards Tua is he, he showed that he can run. Yeah, he can run, and he definitely can fling the ball. I have actually got a problem with Georgia. So, you guys, do you, are you familiar with Quavo, the rapper, or is that just completely over your head, Uncle Ted? Well, I, 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 I was going to talk about this a little bit, but this is a good point to talk about it, okay? Fill me in on him, number one. I, I, he's a rapper. He's okay. But he, I thought he was a big-time Michigan man. Okay. And then I go and see he's all over Georgia all of a sudden, and I, that just kind of bothers me. Like front-running? Yeah, uh-huh. almost like he's a big recruiting tool for us. Huh. So he's like Drake, basically. Yeah, he's like Drake for Kentucky. Exactly, but he's like that for Michigan, but it looks like he's jumping ship to Georgia. I don't know. Well, to answer your first question, yes, indeed, that was over my head. I am definitely (laughs) an old guy, and to tell you the truth, at halftime, what the hell was this Kendrick Lamar stuff going on there? I mean, you're probably a big fan, right? (laughs) I I like him. I mean, it was was entertaining. If you've got a halftime show promoting the heck out of a halftime show for a national championship game, and he's outside the stadium? What's up with that? And he's lip-syncing. What the heck? Yeah, I. It was kind of weird why they decided to do it outside the stadium, but so some people saying they they wondered if they had it outside because all the all the old people that actually were able to pay for tickets to get into the game they wouldn't even know who Kendrick Lamar is. So <laughs> oh, they had the show outside, so the people no. that couldn't get into the game can actually see it. Am, am I the only one that kind of thinks that like the inside the stadium like uh, concerts like performances yeah. are kind of like goofy almost because there's like no crowd. You know what I mean? Am I the only one that's you talking about like for the Super Bowl? Yeah, half like Thanksgiving times? and that right. sort of stuff. Are you guys are you guys cool with it? You guys like it? I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the Super Bowl one. They've do, they've done a well, pretty yeah, good job production. The Super wise. Bowl for sure. The other ones I could live without. Yeah. Give me the high school yeah, I mean, marching it, band. It depends on who the show is. I, I'm trying to remember who did Thanksgiving this year for the Lions. It was another rapper, wasn't it? I I had to work. I, I think it was another rap, so. another rapper with Detroit uh, connections. I can't remember. Big who it Sean, was. maybe. I think he that's did who couple, it was. I, did he do it again that's, this year? I, I know he did so. it a couple years yep. ago. You know what? Big that's Sean. what? That's why we made Google. Big Big Sean, man, not even over my head. How about that? <laughs> yeah, he was out there performing, and I, I like Big Sean, but like there was there was no crowd around the stage. That's what I'm saying. They, like, yeah. trotted, they trotted out some people <laughs> who looked like they had no idea who Big Sean was. Like, so that part of it was definitely. Oh, uh, it was Jason Derulo. Oh, Jason Derulo. I was wrong. There we are. <laughs> it, was it was Derulo. Does Derulo have Detroit roots? No, I don't. I don't think so. Not that I know. <laughs> then, then everything's over my head with yeah. these youngsters. <laughs> the only, the only young ones I like nowadays, guys. Greta Van Fleet. You like them? You ever heard I of them? Don't even. Is that a country singer? No, it's a, it's a like a rocking band out of Frankenmuth. They're making a big name for themselves. Look that one up, Jared. Greta Van Fleet. Fleet. Yeah. 
Um, I saw you tweet about that. I, w- I was going to check out your tweet. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, check it out. They, they've, they've really burst so out of the scene. What are they like? like they're the like, Rolling they're, Stones or something? Like Led Zeppelin. They, they sound that lead singer sounds just like Robert Plant. I've heard of them actually. Yes, I have heard of them. I haven't listened to them yet. No. Well, there's a little tip, little tip for our, our podcast listeners. Check them out for sure. Look it up on on YouTube if you like classic rock. Man, these youngsters are, are tremendous, and they're about your age again, yeah. Jared. But I just to go back to the national. How <laughs> what what a uh, did you guys see like the Alabama like sideline during the game? What a spectacle that was! Oh, it was a spectacle. That's when I thought that was when I like thought that this game was done. I've never seen an Alabama team act like that. Well, who was that number forty eight going crazy? Yeah, he had just got that penalty. Came over the sidelines. I, it it almost looked like he was going after Saban because Saban had just talked to him and walked away. I don't think he was going after Saban, but. Well, yeah, you better they, hope they kind not. Of lost control a little bit. Have right. you guys seen like Nick Saban's like breakfast every morning too? Oatmeal cream pies. No. Uh, yeah. Breakfast of champions. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it is pretty good. Well, I tell you what, you can't say anything wrong with Nick Saban as a coach either, can you? I mean, no. he just guy gets it done. You know, I know I've I've heard some national shows, you know, saying, well, the move really was to go with Tua. Yeah, maybe it was the way things were going with Hurt Hurts, but uh, still, that took some balls. I really, at the time, I thought it was the wrong call. Did you? I personally. I thought that that was a bad move, and I was wrong. Yeah. I just it was a yeah, it was a ballsy move that was, turned out for him. Turned out, and, and by the way, one final thing on the on the game and and moving forward with Alabama. What are the odds it hurts stays or goes somewhere? Else? I actually do think he's going to stay. Yeah. I really do. I do too. I just think that the Alabama's kind of just like it's a team. Uh, they they bought in so much that he's going to stay. And let's call it like it is. I mean, a lot of guys would have been pouting on that sideline, but have been sitting on the bench. I mean. He stuck it right out. He had the microphone stuck in his face at the end of the game. He said all the right things. He did a good job, yeah, putting on a face. But there's no way. Well, I know. There's no, you know that deep down. There's no way. But I that's mean, called class. Exactly, exactly. It was a good move. Yeah. yeah. You you know deep down when Tua started slinging it around and completing passes, Hertz was sitting there going, yeah, my time might be up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, it was one hell of a championship game, and, I mean, that's why we like and love college football for sure. I was going to ask you guys, you're talking about Saban. You think, uh, you know, he made it was a baldy move to put Tua in, to pull out Jalen Hurts, who's only lost two games his whole career. Do you think part of that, him having the balls to do that, was because he knows that his team is so good. They have, they've, they've been in the championship three years in a row. They have a very good chance of going back next year, year after you think he has a little more leeway to make a move like that than maybe even Kirby Smart because he's never been to a championship? Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, if Tua would have come in and fallen on his face, Saban would have felt the heat like anybody else, but I yeah. do agree with what you're saying. And and the other thing is, you know, he recruited Tua for a reason, and he sees him every day in practice, and his logic made complete sense. He knew if they were going to get back in that game, they were going to have to throw the ball, and who's the better thrower? It, yeah. t- it took balls, but uh, I think there was some good logic behind it, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, he, and if it didn't turn out, like, I mean, he could just rest on his laurels, basically, I think is what Matt's saying. I mean, right. How many rings did he have? He has six now? Or six does he have now. five now? Six yeah, now. so he had five already. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, he's a hell of a coach. Sure is. All right, guys, let's move it over to hoops. We both love, all of us love hoops, and uh, Michigan, Michigan State gets underway on Saturday. Their only appearance at Breslin this year. How do you see this breakdown tomorrow? One thing I just saw is that uh, Mo Wagner is a game time decision, so that that could be whether he plays or not. That could have a big factor. Uh, I, th- I think it, both teams are going to be up. I think if if Michigan knocks down shots, I, I think they can definitely win the game. But if they come out cold, then uh, Michigan State could run away with it. 
And what do you think about the Spartans in general, the way they've been playing? I mean, isn't there a way that they can have Bridges play a little bit more inside? I mean, he's just in love with that three-point shot. And, yeah, he's a decent shooter, but I, I think they need to find another so that, guy to nail it from outside. Yeah, that's where my problem is with Bridges. I really think he hasn't taken that step that kind of everyone expected him to this year. I mean, just looking at his stats, I mean, as he's already his three-point percentage is down – uh, from 38 last year to 34 this year. His field goal percentage is down from 48 to 45. And it's just he hasn't quite taken that step that I think we all kind of expected. Right. I think Jaron Jackson is kind of becoming the big-time prospect on that team, really. Well, well, there's no doubt. I think he'll go ahead of Bridges in the draft, don't you guys think? I think Bridges took a step back as far as his draft stock this year. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, he's, he's, so he's going to be the type of guy, I mean, he'll probably get like 15th, 15th pick or something around there is right. where, I, where they're projecting him. And I think he's going to be a good NBA player. He's going to be one of those guys that people don't really understand why he slipped through the cracks. Right. But he is not. he has not taken that step. Right. And that's where, I mean, I don't know, is Izzo to blame a little bit? I feel like players don't develop that well underneath him. They kind of – I was going to say, I, I know you're – I know you, your feelings on Izzo, most overrated coach. Yeah. Team, but he does actually get a lot of criticism for for not developing players. I mean, if you look at the other side of the, the game tomorrow, Beeline, Beeline gets a lot of credit for developing players. He has a lot of guys in the NBA right now, and Izzo has been criticized for not. So that's is that what, what's happening with Bridges? You know, I don't know. It might be, but I mean, and you're exactly right on, on, on both coaches and, and what they have done. But bottom line is they're there to win, not develop players. Yeah, you can't argue with Izzo's record as far as that goes. One national title, title how many Final Fours? Six or you seven? Probably, yeah, you probably know more than I, I. It's about it's about winning the big game. It is, but still, you get to the Final Four. That's <laughs> that's a pretty good resume thing. Now you can't you can't top Coach K for sure when we're talking in that category. No, I do. I am I'm mean, I'm a Michigan fan, but I've got to admit I'm getting sick of hearing about how underrated uh, John Beeline is. I mean, I love John Beeline. But it's like at this point he's not underrated when everyone just keeps saying he's underrated. Yeah. It's, I mean, have you guys noticed that for some reason this week he's like come out of like the woodworks on Twitter? Everyone's saying how underrated he is. I I'm a Michigan man, but it's just kind of it's annoying me. That's a fair point. He's been there how long now? Ten years, maybe. Yeah, since 2007 or and, eight. And he's yeah. had a whole solid program that whole time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's probably past yeah. the stage of underrated. Maybe nationally. I mean, I mean, I I do think he nationally he's underrated. Kind of similar to the the conversation we have about Mark D'Antonio. Nationally, maybe he's a little underrated. Mm-hmm. I think I think locally, like within the Big Ten, people know Beeline's a, a top level coach. But but the same thing, he he hasn't won the big one. He hasn't won a national championship. So that that would be the last hurdle for him to get over. Also, guys, talking about college hoops. Did you catch that uh, South Carolina got a, a Louisville recruit, Bowen? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? He's from uh, – where is he from in Michigan? He's from he's Michigan. From Saginaw, I believe. Yeah. Saginaw. Well, I think he was at – wasn't he at Arthur Hill? Yeah. Uh, now, he's he's the one that kind of sunk uh, Patino, right? Like his, yeah. his kind of deal. Line in his pockets, or allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one that kind of was almost like the whistleblower that kind of brought – one of the guys that brought Patino down. So that's a big, big pickup for South Carolina. And that's what I hate about college basketball. Everyone drops bags these days. Mm-hmm. Everyone. I, I I, honestly think Coach K drops bags. Do you really? I, I well, do you think he does or maybe uh, some unnamed assistant? Yeah, that's well, that's exactly how they do it. Yeah. And that's so – You think Coach K's I really do. Un, he, he's aware of it? Really? I think he's – uh, he's chosen kind of not to be aware. You know what I mean? I know he, what you mean. Yeah. He knows it's there, but he doesn't look into it. I definitely don't. I, I definitely agree with you. I think every program is doing something with the, the boosters. Someone's always giving right. a little handout, but the level of how much. Not everyone is on Louisville's level with what they were doing, obviously. 
Yeah, prostitution rings. Yes. <laughs> hey, great recruiting, great recruiting tool. I guess so, especially when you don't have to shell out the money for it. <laughs> yeah. I will say this. I really don't think, I really, really don't think it would hurt me personally. I don't think uh, Coach Calipari is doing it. I really don't. Really? I think he's under such a microscope that it would have been found by now. I think he's the cleanest program out there. What do you guys do? You, are you guys are you guys Calipari haters? Or are I'm you not guys... a hater after watching the thirty for thirty, but uh, I still think there's a little bit of sliminess going on there. I don't know. I, I I would tend to think that there's some of that going on in the Kentucky program somewhere. He he seems like a, a snake oil salesman to me. Like I, he doesn't seem trustworthy at all. But I mean, every program he's been at in the past has. He's left the program because they were coming under sanctions. So I mean, his his history shows that every program he's been at, he's doing something dirty. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. But I think the main thing is, and I, I've heard people talk about it. The, the local radio people in Kentucky talk about how these guys that go to Kentucky basically they don't have any restrictions when they get into school. You know, like Michigan's kind of a hard school to get in. You actually have to academically get into the school. Kentucky doesn't really do that. And then once these guys, they already know they're one and done. So once they get into school, you know they're not going to class because they don't. They only have to get through the fall semester. Once they get through the fall semester, they know they're going pro after. No, no, that's that's where you're. He insists every single one of his players had to finish out that year. That's their. That's what they have to give back to the uh, program of Kentucky. I read that in. His, they signed uh, that in blood, huh? Yeah. Well, that's like that's just they have like one of the best GPAs here. Uh, I mean, if, let really? me look it up real quick. Really. But, yeah, but so so did the North Carolina guys. See, what is the um, deal? So they were they ended up being clean, or are they were they dirty? How was that? How did that turn out? I think they were dirty, but I don't think they could pinpoint it to Roy Williams. Wasn't that what it was? That's more what it was, right? They they couldn't pin it on Roy Williams. It was just the the pro or the the university. Now, do you? So I mean, their GPA three point one five seven. I that's pretty I'm good. Not sure. Let me see. If not I sure what classes they're taking, but <laughs> fair enough. But so, would you guys think that athletes should get paid? Is that I 100% think that athletes should get paid. Yeah, now, it too. should be maybe on a scale, um, and whatever that scale is, I don't know how you would figure that out, you know, the difference between a football player and maybe, you know, a track and field athlete. But it, it is ridiculous to me to think that these coaches, guys like Jimbo Fisher and, you know, Jim Harbaugh too, these coaches are getting paid a ridiculous amount of money and making money off of these kids. The schools making money off of these kids, the conferences, and the kids aren't getting a dime. Now is that true? Because I I I follow Dan Dockage, and oh, God. well I know I I follow just really to see all <laughs> how he dishes it back to all the haters of him. But from what I understand, from what I saw there, uh, I think in college you know top college basketball the players do get a stipend. Were you aware of that? It's something we ought to look up. Yeah, but they get like I don't know two hundred fifty bucks every couple of weeks. Yeah, that's because like uh, I mean I know Noah Jacobs. Yeah. He... And he runs cross country. And let's be honest, I mean, That's there's probably there's maker. probably 15 people watching those races. Paraphrasing, but roughly 15 people watching those races. And he's still every time they go on the road, he's getting 100 bucks. Right. So yeah, that's, that's more what the stipend is. It's more like a per diem. Right. And they travel to get some food, something like that, some gas money. But when you think about, I, I, I saw uh, an article or a tweet or something talking about when Johnny Menzel was at uh, Texas A&M. They all of a sudden, once he got hot. Every bookstore, every store in on campus had the Texas A&M two jersey. So you know that that people are buying that jersey because of Johnny Manziel, and the school is making all of that money off of him, and he's not getting a dime out of that. All right, well, there's something wrong with that. Put 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 your athletic director or put your administrator hat on then. Though, if we all three agree there should be money paid, they do get a full ride scholarship. 
right? They get a college education if they choose to get a college yeah, education. Yeah. That's paid for. Now, if you're going to talk uh, paying the athletes, do you pay the uh, the revenue-making athletes more than the others? You pay yeah, you, everybody the same? How do you do it? There's no point to be fair here. It's just football and basketball men's. Uh-huh. That's the only people that are getting paid. That's just the way it is. Okay. They are the only ones that guess, deserve it. They're the big money well, makers. I guess that's what I was saying with, like, the scale. I mean, I think, like you said, how, how many people are going to a cross-country meet? No, no offense to cross-country, but, you know, that, that program's not really making the school a ton of money. So, right. It, it would be the major the major sports getting you, – you'd have to come up with some sort of scale. You're not going to pay a swimmer the same amount that you're going to pay a football player. Well, as I can so, say about the, coming up with a scale is good luck in court. That's all I can say. Right. I mean, you, the lawyers are going to be all over that. That's where it would get messy. So that's why it might not ever happen. Right. The thing that I've always said with the scholarship is the people, the, the kids who want to go to school – Want, want to get an education, want to get a degree, and also play a sport, that's awesome for them to get uh, to get an education, to get a degree. Not everyone wants to go to school. Not everyone, and, and that's perfectly fine, not everyone wants to go to a four-year college and get a degree, but they want to be a professional baseball player. They want to be a professional basketball player. And the way that they can get to the pros, well, baseball is a little different, so that's not a good example, but, but football or basketball anyway. No doubt. But they can get to the pros is they're forced to go to school. So any other profession, I mean, if you want to be a plumber, if you want to be an electrician, any other profession, you're not necessarily forced to go to school if you want to get into that profession. But basketball, football, you're forced to go to college, and people saying that, oh, these kids are getting a free education, that's their payment. Well, some of these kids don't want to go to school, so so they don't really care about that education. Well, maybe that goes back to our, our discussion we had maybe in episode one about, you know, eliminating eliminating the NBA rule where you got to go to school for one year. Just open it back up. No, I, this is where this is what's going to press the NCAA's hand. Big baller brand league. Well, you Do think you so? Works? Oh, here we Everything go. Everything that I, I know you're not a fan of LeVar Ball. Can't stand him. He's absolutely electric TV, and everything he's doing is just working. I, he t- his, he takes his kids to Lithuania. They have right. 120,000 live viewers on their Facebook feed from that game, mm-hmm. and the game was like played Eastern time at like 6 a.m. They just they have such a following that if they can bring it one or two of those guys to Lithu- to like the big baller league, I really think right. it could challenge the NCAA. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll watch this one closely, Jared. I, I'm completely skeptical on it. I think he's just in it for himself and his family. But hey, if this big baller league works and uh, some of these fringe players get into that prior to the NBA, maybe maybe it's, maybe it's you're onto something. Now, let me – why is it that you don't like LeVar? Can you just kind of – because <sighs> you can't respect that he's going – he's trying to, like, pave his own way, that he's just – he's trying to kind of set trends, trying to change what's going Well, here, here's an example. I mean – yeah, he's he's trying to set trends, but his son, the one that plays for the Lakers, you know, he's coming out in the press saying that Luke Walton doesn't know percentage. how to coach, right? Yeah. I mean, do, do you think that's conducive to supporting the team? That's just he's doing what's best for his kids. That's okay. what I feel. All right. Well. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence because I'm, I'm with Jared. I think he, he is. He's trying to, you know, he's like anyone, any entrepreneur, you know, trying to pave his own way, trying to do his own thing. But I'm, I'm also with Ted. I think there's things that he's doing that is, you wonder, is it in the best interest of, of their kids? Because him coming out and criticizing Luke Walton, I don't think that's necessarily in the best interest of Lonzo. I think that's just all eyes on me. Look at me. I'm LeVar Ball. I can criticize Luke Walton. Yeah. Because all, all that's doing is adding a distraction to Lonzo. Porters are asking other players on the team now about what Lonzo's dad said. 
So that kind of stuff, I, I think, is just a distraction. Yeah, why I can respect him is that, I mean, we were all just talking how college athletes should be paid. Mm-hmm. No one's really done anything to do it. He's at least, think about it, this league is going to give kids an opportunity to get paid right away. So basically, this league, if you look at the minor leagues in the NBA, you got the G League, right? So if this if this gets pulled out and and, and ball puts it all together, it's kind of kind of eliminate the G League, isn't it? Well, it could. Yeah. I, I think the G League, those guys are on NBA contracts, so that that might be a little different. Lavar's league, you know, you're you're not necessarily going to be on an NBA contract. It's just an alternative to the NCAA. Like just looking at this, how Levar, he drew 1.6 million people to watch his sons play in Lithuania, and this stadium probably had what 16 people watching this game right. last week. Yeah, it's just incredible. I, I I can respect it. I'll give you that. That's for sure. There's no doubt. Did you guys see some of the the criticism though of Big Baller Brand? No, go go ahead. Uh, the the I think it was whatever the Better Business Bureau or, or oh I did see the smaller baller. They came out yeah they <laughs> yeah yeah they came out and graded the big baller brand as an F. Yep. Uh, for their products, but yeah, they they had a, a customer review. Someone bought a couple T-shirts or something like that. Didn't get them. He smelled <laughs> the customer service and you know said, "Hey, where where are my stuff?" And they replied and said, "You're a small baller." <laughs> you are. I, you are. <laughs> they stick true to their guns. They are who they are. They're not gonna lie to you. I can respect. Right. Now, what do you think? What's going on with Lonzo, Matt? Uh, what is he shooting like, fifteen tw- percent uh, from the field nowadays? No, I think he's up into the thirties now. He's. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it's not a good. T- <laughs> yeah, he's really improving. You know, he's up in the thirties. <laughs> I mean, it, no, he he's had his struggles for sure. I think he, I think he's coming on just fine. He he's never even at UCLA. He was never a huge scorer. He's always just been that like a ten, ten, and ten type of guy. He, he mm-hmm. was never going to score twenty five points a game. He came in, obviously, with the expectations. People thought he was going to be like Russell Westbrook. That's just not his game. He definitely has an impact, though. The Lakers are a completely different team when he's on the floor. Well, you know, we're talking NBA right now, and what do you think the big surprises are this year? And you think that uh, LeBron maybe will join him next year in L.A.? I'd be real surprised. I I, I don't want LeBron to go there. I think wow, they're that... right now. <laughs> I hope he does it now. Why don't? Why would you not want Le- Oh, are you the classic Kobe Bryant's best player ever, better than LeBron? Well, yeah, I, I definitely. Oh am. my Kobe god! The best player ever. I mean, we that that could be a discussion for another <laughs> podcast. But but no, I think what if LeBron signed the Lakers? Obviously, I'd be happy. He he's one of the greatest ever. But I think what the Lakers are building right now, they're they're building a core. They're they're starting to get some momentum going. If they all of a sudden added LeBron, they'd have to get rid of some of these young guys. And I think it would just kind of mess up what, what the program that they're building over there. So. I, I wouldn't be upset if LeBron went there, but I, I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to stay in Cleveland. Just a quick tidbit on the LeBron-Kobe. Uh, Tell me, that who would win in a game five LeBrons versus five Kobe's? Who's, who's going to win? <laughs> That's a tough Kobe call. Kobe in his prime? Kobe in his prime, LeBron in his prime. LeBron's been in his prime ever since he stepped floor in the NBA, but... Go ahead. No, that's true. He he has he's been that's it's ridiculous how long his prime has been. But no, I I don't know. That's actually an interesting question. Uh, it'd be tough to go against the five Lebrons, but, but I'm still going the five Kobe's. Oh, that's just you're just uh, picking with your heart mentality, man. Yeah, you got to go with your heart sometimes. But uh, yeah, that'd be a, that would be a heck of a matchup. Unbiased, that was a really good what question. Do you think? What do you unbiased? Think? Well, you got to play defense, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you would stop LeBron to tell you the truth. Kobe also very tough to stop, but. Uh, I I, I, I have to. I'll take your Always stand. I, I got to go with LeBron. Yep. Got to go with LeBron. All right. All right. Sorry, Matt. Fatel's ganging up on yeah. you. It's all good. Yeah, I 
I've dealt with that my whole life. I've argued plenty of times that Kobe's better than Jordan. So. Oh wow! Now, which which Kobe? Number eight or number twenty-four? I'm I'm an I, I like eight better than twenty-four. I mean that that's the guy that that I just that is whatever. It started putting posters up on my wall when I was younger <laughs> of, of the number eight Kobe, but but the twenty-four that, that game when he when he polished his game. I mean he was he was incredible. Yeah, he was virtually unstoppable. No doubt, one of the all-time one or two or three of all time, I think. Yeah, he could even dodge the uh, court system. <laughs> well. We don't need to get into that. No. <laughs> it's funny how that's just kind of forgotten about. Yeah. Next, next, I next thing. Well, there's plenty of Hall of Famers in that category, that's for sure. True. All right, any other, anything else in the NBA we want to get into? Pistons playing pretty good ball. I mean, right now, you know, they're hovering around a little bit over 500. Do you think they are headed in the right direction under Steve or Stan Van Gundy? I think they need a, an elite playmaker, an elite scorer. They, they, it's another team of like nice players. That's what the Pistons have been basically ever since that that core with Chauncey and Sheed and all those guys. Right. Play. They they get some nice players, you know, to make the playoffs or to to be That's... a decent team, but they don't have any. They don't have a go-to guy. Reggie that... Jackson is not a go-to guy. No. Bias Harris isn't a go-to guy. Andre Drummond has some big games. But you know he's not a go-to guy. Like, that, that's what they're missing. Right. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Why did they? So why did they draft Luke Kennard? I mean, they missed up on Donovan Mitchell. Like all these potential. Like why don't they take a flyer there? That's what I don't get. I think it's just because uh, Van Gundy took the safe pick, trying to you know he wanted to put together a good year because he knew he was on the hot seat. Right. That's me personally. And actually, Kennard's playing pretty good this year. And, I think. And I mean, he's okay, but I think that's where the whole coach. What is he has like control of everything? Right. I honestly think that that's why he was picked, just because he needed a winning season. This year, so Probably. he didn't get a pro- he didn't get a someone that would be developed, but he just got someone that's you know kind of topped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. They're gonna, I mean, they're gonna make the playoffs. Or, well, they should make the playoffs this year. So, right, kind of keeps his job safe for now, I guess. Yeah, nothing wrong with trying to keep your job. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Hey, let's move from uh, the NBA and college and college basketball. Let's go to a little football action, the NFL style. Wild card weekend was last weekend. You know, we've had a lot of different debates. I've seen a lot of different things on Twitter about Matt Stafford. Still seeing a lot of criticism for him, but uh, boy, he would have looked pretty good in that Jaguars Bills game last week, wouldn't he? You don't like you're not a Jordals fan, Blake Jordals. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> You don't, you don't want some Bortles service? Yeah. I mean. Have you guys seen that Twitter account where it's like Blake Bortles? Yeah, facts? yeah. That's, that's a classic one. That's the playoffs, and you got two terrible quarterbacks. I mean, I get it, but he's won a playoff game. Matthew Stafford? No, he didn't win it. His defense won it. He didn't lose it. He, but he didn't lose it. I'll give you that. But do you think you don't? Oh I get. I obviously. Oh un- You'd I rather have Bortles no. than Stafford? I understand that Stafford is better than Bortles. Yes. But answer me this. Okay. Matthew Stafford playoff wins. Matt, his his zero. His record, are. his record against winning teams, I'll give you that. But the thing is, it's not just the quarterback to win games. The Lions organization is inept. Let's face it. How many coaches have ever moved on from Detroit and became a head coach somewhere else? It might happen this year with Schwartz. And that'd be it. I mean, it starts with the it starts with the ownership. The coaching, the players they get in there. Stafford needs some help. Now, is he the total answer? No. But if you put a team around him, how about a running back? How about somebody that can run the ball? He hasn't had anybody. Yeah. Now, how much is that just him, like, kind of gunslinger type, calling audibles type, that sort of stuff? There's some of that, but, I mean, I'm still telling you, I'm the old guy in the bunch, and I've seen a lot of quarterbacks come and go through Detroit 
no one can hold a candle to Matt Stafford. Okay, tell me. Okay, Blake Bortles and Tom Brady have combined for four Super Bowl titles, two NFL MVP <laughs> awards, and ten Pro Bowl appearances. Has has Matthew Stafford done that? I thought if you not. combine him with Tom Brady. <laughs> oh man, that's what I've always said: is the couple years that the Lions have actually had what looked like a complete team, a good defense, some good skill players, they make the playoffs, but. That, that's the knock on Stafford. And yep. Until he wins a playoff game, it's kind of hard to argue with it. It is. Yeah. You know, it was the same thing with Tony Romo. Tony Romo, for the longest time, he just always came up short in the big games and then didn't win any playoff games. And then and he goes up against the Lions and finally gets his first playoff win. You know, <laughs> that might be a good comparison right there, really, when you look at the whole picture. Tony Romo and Matt Stafford, you know, it might be something yeah. similar. Now, have we have they narrowed down their coaching search? Are we pretty sure it's going to be Patricia? No, or? I think it's going to be Belichick. I already told you that. <laughs> I, I saw that video you post. I kind of skimmed through it a little bit. What exactly? What what were his Lions roots? He he started in the NFL as an Lions as a Lions assistant coach. Oh, really? That's what, yeah. Rick Ferzano. This was in the seventy four to seventy six range back then. Their head coach. He died in the off season of a heart attack. And they brought in Rick Ferzano, who had one of the all-time worst records for anybody to get a job like that. He was coach at Navy. I think he was like, I don't know, 10 and 33 or something in his Navy career. But anyway, that's where Belichick got his start. And they were talking about his his stay in Detroit. It was a pretty neat little video, so check it out. I highly doubt that he's going to come to Detroit. But hey. I agree. I agree. We can only hope. It is weird that for, whatever, a week or so ago, it was, it was almost set in stone that Patricia was going to come. Right. Then he started wavering, and now actually he's the leading candidate for the Giants. That's what I've yeah, been. Yeah, that's. Hearing. I am reading that right now that he is prefer, he's prefers the New York Giants job. So. Yeah, and I don't get it. That, that's one thing I read is that he he wants to become a head coach, and he's he's reluctant to go to Detroit. I think it's because maybe of what we were talking about last week, because it's the Lions, and he would rather go to the Giants. I don't get it. I think the Lions is one of the best open. Uh, positions for a head coach right now in the NFL. Oh, I agree. And I mean, I'll tell you what, Patricia better have his big boy pants on if he goes to New York and deals with that media. Yeah, because they don't have they don't have a quarterback. Their offense isn't very so. He's he's he gonna have a lot more to to build up if he's gonna go to to the Giants and the Lions. Right. Well, when your offensive coordinator is pre-selected for you, you got to take that into effect. He, I mean, he's going in there and he's trusting a guy that he does not know. Imagine if you were in I, his shoes. I didn't like that. That I, I was I was hoping they would get a head coach before they decided on old old Jim Bob. But I, I guess him you know, Jim Bob and Stafford are they they like each other, so I guess they wanted to keep him around. And that might be one reason why he's not coming, because he might have insisted, you know, I'm I'm hiring my own coaches. You know, who knows what goes on behind the scenes, right? Yeah, and that's what's weird too, is because Quinn Quinn and Patricia are supposed to be like boys because of their time in, in New England. It's strange because it was almost a sure thing that Patricia was coming, and now he might not. Now it's looking like it might be Vrabel. That's what I was just going to say, yeah. I'm not really, I don't know, is is Vrabel – he head coaching material, you know. I, I, I really. Don't. I don't know. He was he was a you know he was kind of a captain type of player, you know, and he's he has been a defensive coordinator for the Texans. They had a pretty good defense. You, you, sometimes you just got to roll the dice. You never know which assistant is going to pan out and which is not. And with the Lions, usually it's they're not. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every every head coach uh, has to get their shot at some point. So. So maybe Vrabel will turn into uh, Bill Belichick 2.0. Yeah. Well, let's uh, real quickly. You got the divisional round tomorrow, the Falcons and Eagles. What do you guys got in that one? Uh, the Falcons and Eagles, Falcons are going to win that. You think so? Yeah, my buddy uh, Josh Richardson 
<laughs> he's, he's, you know, his dad promised him Super Bowl tickets if they make it. I can't wait for him to uh, have his heart ripped out. Although I would love, <laughs> I would love to root against the Eagles in the Super Bowl if he was there. So yeah, I'm going to go the opposite on that one. I'm taking the Eagles at that one. I know, you know, they got their issue at quarterback, but they've had a week off. They're at home. The weather's probably going to be crappy, and they got a heck of a defense also. So I think in a low-scoring affair outdoors, I think the Eagles, you know, hold on and win that game tomorrow. I'm going Falcons. I think the Falcons are on a roll. They're the hot team. Lord help us if they make it to the Super Bowl against the Patriots again. That would be – I would actually really enjoy that. that would, would you? Be, I mean, why do you say uh, Lord help us, I guess? Uh, I just think that the – Boring? I, I, a little bit, and I think the Patriots would just drill them again after, you, after the last time they Who do you think played. puts up the best fight out of them and uh, Saints or Vikings? I'm taking the Saints uh, against the Vikings tomorrow as well. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trusting Case Keenum in the playoffs, even though he's played awesome. But I would, I would trust Drew Brees over Case Keenum. Well, just a quick note about the uh, the one of my like kind of just rules to live by. Uh, yeah. You have uh, white wide receivers. You're you're gonna lose. <laughs> you're not you're, you're not. I mean, there's the Patriots. Unless you play for the Patriots, there that's you the go. One, that's the that's exception. That's the one like a- exception. Other than that, you're you're done. So that's what's gonna be their downfall. Mark my words. But you're not a fan of Adam Thielen. I think he's. I mean, he's he's great for the brand. <laughs> He's great for the brand, but no, he's. I just don't think you have so many white guys. You can only have so many. They're all gritty, gritty, <laughs> tough, quick. Well, how about Jaguars at Steelers? That should be a defensive battle. What do you think? Could be. I, I mean, I think the Steelers, especially if Antonio Brown comes back and plays, I, I think the Steelers are going to take that one. Yeah, in Pittsburgh, I think so too. Jared's guy Bortles might be exposed. Yeah, I, I knew you guys. I he he probably will get exposed. But how awesome would it be if they somehow put together the pieces and won this game? It'd Jaguars, be, Patriots, what a matchup. It would be amazing. <laughs> it would be amazing. It'd be a heck of a story, wouldn't it? Blake Bortles versus Tom Brady to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you guys You guys just don't believe in Saxonville? What a nickname. No. Yeah. That, that's worth like seven points right there, Saxonville. I'll tell you what, they have turned it around, though, haven't they? That is a, that's an well, awesome defense. Yeah. yeah. And they came out of nowhere. I mean, they were decent. I'd be curious before. Before the season started, what the odds were on uh, Jacksonville, even making the playoffs, but especially making the Super Bowl. I bet they were like, they might have been like 100 to 1. Yeah, you check that out, Jared. Yeah, I'm going to look up uh, their preseason, like, over-under for win prediction. Yeah. Well, while you look that up, Jared, let me throw in a little a little high school talk right here at this point, all right? I always like to throw something in there of interest. You know, and I know we have listeners nationwide, but i got to talk. And we're Corona kids. We, we grew up in mid-Michigan. And uh, Corona's freshman swimmer, Xavier Stobbs, this last week saved first-year Owasso swimmer Cameron Sampson, who had an episode and had sunk to the bottom of the deep end of the pool in a meet between Owasso and Corona. Stobbs saw the commotion, quickly dived in and brought him up, and after some quick medical attention, he was revived. Very scary situation, but uh, hats off to uh, Xavier Stobbs. Do you know him? No, no I, I don't. I saw that story. That was, a, that was a pretty cool story to see. Awesome on that kid for, for stepping up. Absolutely. Also, this is something a little bit more nationally of national interest. Guys, check this out. Look it up on Google. A kid out of Indiana, Hartford City, Indiana, his name's Luke Brown. And he's a freshman. Speaking of white kids, Jared, five foot nine. He's grown in the last like four months to five eleven, but he's a true freshman. And he's in uh, like in the middle of the pack as far as divisions go in Indiana. He's fourth in the state in scoring 28.8 points a game. And speaking of the movie Hoosiers, his head coach, his name's Jerry Hoover, 
He's 83 years old. He'd been out of coaching for a long time. They brought him in. This program had been 1-78 in in their last 79 games. And being led by Luke Brown, they're now 8-1 and on the season. You know, the, being led by this freshman kid and coached by an 83-year-old who uh, he had played at Purdue back in the day. I mean, this, is, this sounds just like the movie Hoosiers. I love it. Isn't that, that awesome? That, that is a good tidbit. I did not know that. Did you say they they were one in seventy eight? One in seventy eight. Yes, in their last seventy nine. That's incredible. Yeah. Like that that almost takes that's almost more impressive to go one in seventy eight <laughs> for a team to win like a couple state titles in a row. It's it's that's, pretty. That's wild. Pretty impressive. And then back here again locally, Langsburg stayed unbeaten in the CMAC down in PW in overtime on Cam Brown's layup. That was yesterday. And our next Castle game, Jared, you'll be working the board. Perry at Owasso. That's on the uh, 19th, a week from uh, next week sometime, next Friday. As Owasso, I know they started off the season like 3-1. and one. Have they been able to keep it up? Yeah, or? they've been playing good ball lately. And Perry's one of the better teams in our area as well. So it should be a pretty good matchup, really. Are there any local teams that are looking like they make – might make a run to the state. Uh, Langsburg's got a pretty good team. I'm not. I don't think anybody locally will make a run to the like the state finals. But uh, you know, we got some regional final teams probably here in Langsburg. Fowler's got a six-seven kid. Corona and Ovid are basically just on like a crash course to the district final. Yeah, they and, are. I mean, if you make it to regionals, win a couple games. I mean, you're. And of course, Ovid Elsie, we got their game Monday night against uh, Saginaw Michigan Lutheran Seminary, but they're led by Carson Vincent, who uh, was the area's Mister Basketball last year, and. And uh, they returned all five starters, and, and, and an amazing stat. I don't know what the exact stat is, but you said they're on a collision course to face Corona, possibly in the district finals. Corona's beat Ovid Elsie, I believe, somewhere around 40 straight times. It's an unbelievable statistic. That is just yeah, I feel like when, when I was playing, we were it was on Corona was on some sort of run like that, too. Yeah. Nope. Have you had a chance to look up the Jaguars? Odds uh, it, was, yet? it was six and a half. Not quite as low as I thought it was going to be, but still. Yeah. I, mean, I think they finished with what ten wins. Yeah. And I wonder what the odds were to win the Super Bowl. That's yeah. the that's the <laughs> other one we wanted one. to know. That might have been like two hundred to one to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, would you would you even bet a bet like that? No. I, I mean, that would that would be one that like you throw you could just throw ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah. And if it happens to hit, then you win a lot of money. Right. I have, I have some friends who every year, whoever their team is. They just, no matter what the odds are, they just throw 10, 20 bucks down on their team every year just in case that's the year that they win the title. That's not a bad way to go, really. Before we wrap up the show, let's see what's on the mind of the nation's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Hello, Fred, Matt, and Herod. Hey, I'm still buzzing about Alabama's big win over Georgia in overtime Monday night. As you guys know, being the sports experts that you are, Saban made a Hall of Fame move by removing starting quarterback A.J. McCarron and replacing him with freshman sensation Tua Tagliabue. With a prospect of Tagliabue starting at quarterback in 2018 and beyond, my guess is that the SEC coaches are crapping their pants right now. As a matter of fact, I think I just crapped mine. And the only person more afraid of his immediate rise to stardom, guys, is that ugly girlfriend he French-kissed after the game. Hey, sweetheart, you better find another boy toy and quick, because he's going to go Daryl Strawberry on you quick. 
Saban is the best coach in college football today, but don't count out my man Bo Schembechler up here in Michigan. I know, I know, he's receiving a lot of criticism, but write this down. He's going to have his team in the Final Four next year. I want to be paid something for this prediction, too. <laughs> Watching the national championship game reminded me of how much I hate instant replay. College and professional sports provide entertainment. Why are we after perfection? Where else do we have perfection in our lives? And if we're after perfection, fellas, why did the referees miss an obvious face mask call on Alabama followed by an offsides call when Georgia blocked the punt? If we're hell-bent on making a perfect call, then we should have cameras and technology monitoring all areas of the game. Are you telling me the championship game would not have ended differently with Georgia recovering that punt in Alabama territory? If you want perfection, I'll have my wife whip up some of her possum beef stew. Now that's perfection. <laughs> but when it comes to sports, it's entertainment. Bad cause without instant replay create water cooler conversation, a better game flow, and yes, in my opinion, better entertainment. Can you imagine if we had instant replay when Carlton Fisk hit his famous Game 6 home run in 1975? Herod, you weren't even alive then. <laughs> if you can't give me perfection in sports, and you can't, then give me a big, fat, juicy piece of entertaining human imperfection, and I'll be one happy old man. All right, moving on to the NFL, because I know you guys can't wait to hear what I have to say. So here's my big prediction. Doug Peterson's Eagles will beat Big Mouth Jerry Glanville and his Atlanta Falcons 28-24. Put it down. The Houston Oilers and Jeff Fisher will be smoked by Belichick and Brady 35-21. The Vikings are getting excellent play from backup quarterback Casey Kasem and running back Adrian Peterson. Bud Grant is doing a hell of a job up there in Minnesota, and I have them beating the Saints and Sean Payton in a close one, 31-28. The Steel Curtain, led by Bill Cowher, will beat the Jags 35-24. Antonio Brown is back on offense, and I expect Bradshaw to find him all day. All right, my last commentary, take a big breath here, Woo! is on the new Tanya Harding movie. <laughs> I lost a bet with my wife, guys. Uh, my wife's name is Jackie. I don't know how many of you guys uh, have met her. But anyway, I was forced to shell out 50 bucks to watch two hours of trailer trash. <laughs> if I want to watch trailer trash, I'll look out my living room window. Here's a quote from Tanya found recently in a New York Times article commenting on her initial impression of meeting her current husband at a karaoke bar. Here's Tanya. Damn, he's got beautiful eyes. I mean, eyes are the center of your soul, okay? You might have a nice butt, but I want to see the eyes. And then the article goes on to say within weeks she proposed to him, she proposed to him. And within the same week she was carrying his baby. Isn't that cute? I'll bet if Tanya attended New York Mets games back in the day, she would have been in the training room between the first and second inning between Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden. She's a tramp. Rather than watch that movie, my son Jake and I could have spent money on beer and wings at the sports bar watching football. But as they say, a happy wife is a happy life. And frankly, I'm miserable. Take care, guys. <laughs> well, you know, 
listening to Jack every week, uh, he might be a little bit off on some of the names, but still a lot of fun, guys. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for now. And uh, let's just tell everybody to, you know, share with your friends. Give us your feedback. You can tweet me at Z92.5SportsGuy. Matt, you're at? I'm at uh, Burnsy381. And Jared? Uh, FastXSports underscore. All right. And you can also email us at 3 pod at gmail.com. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan and Fat Stack Sports production with special consideration provided by Z92.5 The Castle. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.